Why are so many dogs suffering from health issues? Actress Katherine Heigl, who's helped save over 16,000 dogs through her personal foundation, says they're seeing more issues than ever with dogs' joints, odors, and their health than ever before. After doing a ton of research, she feels there's one place we can all look to improve our dog's health, their food. What she's discovered is that many dog foods are made in a way they can actually create toxins that could possibly be wrecking our dog's health. And that's true for many of the premium brands as well. Fortunately, she's found that just by adding a few special superfoods to her dog's food, she saw huge transformations in their health. She's made a 20-minute video explaining step-by-step how any of us can do the same thing to see incredible changes in their dog's health. I've got five dogs. I do. I love them. I spend most of my time with them. In fact, Mojo, my mama blue healer, has helped me write six and a half books now. I want her to be as healthy and happy as possible. So if you feel like you do about your dogs the same way I do, let me encourage you to go to badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard and watch Catherine's video right now. And again, that's badlandsfood.com forward slash boneyard. Be sure and check it out and make sure your pet is happier and healthier than ever. Let's face it, friends, we live in uncertain times. Security, probably more important now than ever before. That's why it's important to keep you, your family, your property safe by working with my friends at Eufy. That's E-U-F-Y.com. Let me tell you a little bit about this new video smart lock they have. It's super cool because basically you get a three-in-one security system here. You can have everything on just one device instead of having it outside of your house look rather tacky because you got all kinds of stuff out there. It's not just about your security, but convenience. No more concerns about losing keys. You can assign passwords to your family members, and you can see who's kind of coming and going. you got that immigrated camera, too. Uh, it's easy to install. You can set it up with just a Phillips screwdriver. You know, you don't have to go to a class on how to use power tools. No drilling required. You get keyless entry. You don't have to worry about fumbling with the keys when you're getting back with a, an armful of groceries, right? How convenient is that? That in and of itself is a great benefit. You get fingerprint recognition. It's unlocking. You that AI self-learning chip. So the more you use it, the more accurate it's going to be. You don't have to worry about the battery. It's got a rechargeable battery that can last around four months. And you get a notification before it runs out so you don't have to compromise your family security. You got passcode unlocking, remote control, 2K clear sight, camera. You can see who's at your door. You see these videos online all the time. Don't you think it's time for you to set something up so you can have the peace of mind of knowing that you don't have people constantly going in and out of your property? There's no monthly fee. Unlike other brands that charge you a monthly fee, you can have your recordings locally and never have to pay for storage. How cool is that? It's convenient, it's safe, it's a must-have for your home today. If you already have like a video doorbell, you know sometimes people want to come and steal your, your doorbell. You don't have to worry about with, that with this. All right, so let's be sure to visit Eufy Video Lock. That's E-U-F-Y official.com forward slash video lock. And it's time for you to gain control of your door. Again, that's Eufy. E-U-F-Y. Welcome to the Boneyard with Steve Robertson. As always, I am your good friend and host, Steve Robertson, coming coming to you on the hump day edition of the yard. Man, I lose track of my days. I really do. Summertime, you never know. Nevertheless, it is a big day for us here in the Mississippi State media. We will have our first ever chalk talk with Coach Joe Moorhead later today. That'll be around the uh, the noon hour. I guess we'll have lunch day at 1130 and then... Uh, Joe will talk, and then we'll have an opportunity to to visit with Coach uh, John Cohen, Mississippi State Athletic Director John Cohen, who was uh, recently appointed to the Division I Baseball Committee. That is a uh, significant development in many respects, because here's the deal with John Cohen. John Cohen works in a profession where there are a lot of people that consider themselves to be the smartest person in the room. And in most rooms, John Cohen is that person. No matter what anybody anybody else thinks, he is among the most analytical and cerebral people I have ever known. John understands the needs of college baseball. He understands the importance of uh, new NCAA legislation regarding college baseball. 
you can rest assured that college baseball is about to uh, have some, some conversation. There's about to be some very serious conversations about the direction of our sport, uh, college baseball, because there's going to be, I won't say an agenda per se, but John Cohen will bring topical conversations to this committee and, and, and some of them are going to be you know the same conversations they've had year in and year out but John understands how to build support John understands how to package things in a way to get them handled John is a doer rather than a speaker only so big news not just for John Cohen but big news for college baseball because they're, they're going to get a guy that is a tremendous advocate for the sport but also a guy that is uh, you know, very closely aligned with the uh, the, con- the conference coaches and so there will be some great representation in that room with uh, with John Cohen there so I, I believe this is a very very significant development just because of the fact that I understand the passion John has for college baseball this is not going to be just a day for him to go have lunch with some of his buddies and call it a day and talk about how great everything is and there are a lot of great things about college baseball but we have so far to go it is so incredibly underfunded it is it is in pardon my language okay it's the bastard stepchild of college athletics it is an absolute joke how college baseball uh, is 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 handled and treated by many people around the country and uh, you know we kind of take for granted we really do those of us that uh, grew up cheering for the Bruin and White, we have always had a great baseball program. Now, we have had some years that were a little leaner than others, but we have been on the forefront of college baseball uh, throughout my lifetime. Uh, you know, even when Coach Gregory was here, you know, and that's really when it really, it really began to become a bigger deal at Mississippi State. You know, we began to to win SEC championships, we begin to go to Omaha. We invested in college baseball. We invested in a new stadium. We've done that three times now. But the bottom line is we have been there on the cutting edge of college baseball as a sport. And there are some other people, even some, some of the new money programs, uh, even one within our state that in as late as the 1980s had a chicken wire fence. So to, to have John Cohen representing Mississippi State, a, a program that has always been among the godfathers of college baseball. It's important to have him out there because John's going to have a perspective that many other people don't. I want to thank our good friends at Campus Bookmart, and uh, if you have not done so, let me encourage you now. Go get your College World Series shirts before they're gone, okay? And and you're going, we're going to be getting ready for football season. I mean, goodness, we've got SEC Media Days coming up, and uh, we're going to have an opportunity to have fall camp here pretty soon. And then we're going to be in the football season. You know, guys, we're going to have some high school football games, I believe, in five weeks. Five weeks. Still got a little ways to go to college, to college football season, but but we're we're right there. It won't be long before we start hearing the pads pop. And so go ahead and outfit your family. Get the latest you know things for your RV, your car, whatever you need, your office. Let people know that you're repping Mississippi State. You've got a chance to do something great. And let people know that you're Mississippi State Bulldogs. So you can do that by going and visit Stan Ray, Miss Kathy Brown, the lovely, talented Susie. When you walk in the door there at Campus Bookmark, they're going to be happy to serve you. And if you can't make it to town, we encourage you to visit them on the World Wide Web, courtesy of Al Gore's Internet, at campusbookmart.net. And by being a loyal Boneyard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays. That's BSR. That stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson. And that'll get you free shipping on all orders over 50 bucks. And you know the deal. Any order less than 50 bucks, absolutely incomplete. So I had mentioned that earlier in the week we're going to do some football previews, and uh, today we're going to talk offense, and then Friday we'll talk defense. And uh, I think it's, it's a few things. Number one, we, we talk so much about what you have returning, and we get so hemmed up in what we have with the recruiting. And uh, I have said this on our show before. I don't know anybody that had a better transfer season than Joe Moorhead. I mean – Really, I mean, look at look at the, the positions of need. Probably the biggest question marks you had coming into this season. Who's going to play quarterback? He goes out and gets Tommy Stevens. Do we have enough firepower at wide receiver? He goes out and gets Isaiah Zuber. 
what are we going to do at punter? You know, Tucker Day came on strong towards the end of the season last year, but you had, you know, Corliss Waitman there. Well, I wouldn't say it's necessarily a, uh, a need per se, but there were some concerns. There was some inconsistency at that position last year, and you add a veteran to that level of competition, that's only going to make it better. And then you've got issues of defensive tackle, and, and you go out and you get Alan Love from, from Louisville. And so, not you know, there are a lot of people out there that may have gotten some you know some more marquee type names, okay. But I don't know that anybody did more to address their needs than Joe Moorhead did. And uh, I believe that Isaiah Zuber, because we're going to start talking receivers, I believe Isaiah Zuber's transfer to Mississippi State is one of the more significant things that has happened in a while. Now it is a single-serving relationship, right? He's only going to probably be here the one semester. Uh, enrolled for school uh, earlier this week. To, attended his first classes on uh, on Monday. But uh, in his short time here at Mississippi State, if he remains healthy, and uh, and, and he's still kind of rounding back into form, but he's going to be good to go, he has a chance to be a transformative player from Mississippi State. He is a guy that has a real opportunity to come in and catch a lot of footballs, Make a lot of big things happen here at Mississippi State because, listen, we don't have a lot of people like him. You know what I'm saying? On our roster. And uh, he is a guy, because of the, his versatility, we, we can move him around a little bit, okay? He, he's a guy that can play the slot in Joe's offense or he can get outside. We'll move him around and get him in some matchups that are favorable to him. But I've run the numbers on this, and people you know, people forget. And, and, and I'm not being negative about our young men that, that suit up in the maroon and white. That's not what I'm trying to say. But Jesse Jackson was our leading receiver in 2017. And Osiris Mitchell was our leading receiver in 2018. And those two combined didn't catch as many passes as uh, Isaiah Zuber did last year. Isaiah Zuber last year at Kansas State, 52 grabs in 12 games, 619 yards, five receptions that resulted in a touchdown. Uh, that would have led Mississippi State in every statistical category by a large margin. The year before, 51 grabs, 510 yards, four touchdowns. So you've got a guy that played in a run-first offense. And, and, and listen, our guys did too, okay, to be fair. But you've got a guy that has basically doubled your leading receiver in each of the last two years, entering your program into a pass-happy offense. Joe Moorhead wants to get chunk plays. Joe wants to throw it down the field. And Isaiah brings that element. Isaiah is a guy, and listen, here's the deal. Everybody that's going to play Mississippi State early on in the year, they're going to pull up that, that video of Kansas State. He's going to get their attention. You know, Isaiah won some ball games for Kansas State last year. It was a difficult year. But he wins some ball games for him, and so he comes in. So immediately, immediately, I think that does a couple things. I think for guys like Stephen Gidry, guys like Devontae Jason, affectionately known as WAP, those guys all of a sudden there's another rooster in hen house, and I think as a result, the production that he brings, the work ethic that he brings the highlight film that he brings I think automatically challenges those guys a little bit in a very positive way. I think those guys begin to say, you know what? This guy's out here competing for reps. I need to go do more of what he does. And if all Isaiah Zuber does is come in here and catch 50 balls, which is would be tremendous, and then makes the room better, you talk about a home run signing. But I mentioned Stephen Gidry. You know, we saw last year Gidry showed some flashes, man, where he was absolutely electric. I mean, he, you know, he he made that back shoulder catch against Ole Miss on a ball that Nick Fitzgerald threw even before Gidry you know, came out of his break, and he goes up and and just shows some incredible elevation, great ball skills, great footwork, just a great play. Uh, Gidry's a guy that we know has big time potential. I don't know that he has really been pushed like he's going to be pushed this year. And I think he realizes, too, this is kind of the money year. A lot of people talked about he could potentially be a one-and-done at Mississippi State. And then he comes in, and he's injured for the spring, 
and so as a result, he kind of gets behind the numbers a little bit, and uh, just did you know did didn't have the year that many of us expected him to have. 13 games, just 19 catches, 440 yards, three touchdowns with the long of 84 uh, against A&M. And uh, what an electric play that was! That proved to be. But he is a guy that makes plays in chunks, 23, uh, 23.2 yards uh, per catch. And so he is a guy that we we know has big play potential. And I think, number one, uh, having a guy like Zuber in the mix makes Stephen Guidry better. I think Stephen Guidry will benefit from having Isaiah Zuber as a teammate, not just on the field to occupy safeties and to make people kind of, uh, you know, scheme against them. But I think because of the fact that uh, Stephen Guidry is going to be around Isaiah every day, I think they make each other better. Uh, it's good to have some size on the outside. It's been a while since that's really been the case at Mississippi State. We've had some guys in the past that uh, – you know, could catch a lot of balls, and, and really, I mean, let's be honest, in the Dan Mullen era, who were the receivers that you remember? I mean, who were the guys that really jump out to you? Uh, Chad Bumpus? Uh, Jamion Lewis? Right? Keith Mixon, to a lesser extent? But the point that I'm getting at is the majority of those guys are slot guys. You, you could make the argument, Deronia Wilson, probably the most impactful receiver of the, uh, the Mullen heyday, and you only had really that one guy. You know, Arcido Clark had some big games from Mississippi State. Chris Smith had some big catches. God rest his soul. But you, you haven't had that great tandem. Fred Ross is a guy that caught a ton of footballs. But, but Fred, not that big body, down the field, explosive type receiver. You know, Fred was a very productive guy. And when we got our mileage out of Fred, for sure. Fred comes in here and rewrites Mississippi State record books. But, again, Fred, not the biggest guy. You've got some guys now that are going to be kind of walking match mismatches out there. And I think as a result, if you go back and look when Mississippi State was really kind of making things happen, when, you, when you're trotting you know, Donald Gray, Deronye Wilson, Fred Ross out there, uh, that, that's about as good as it was in the Dan Mullen era. You, know, you could make the argument when Chris Smith, Arcido Clark, and Chad Bumpus played together back in 2010. Uh, that, that was a really good group too. But those guys too, remember those, outside of Bumpus, those guys were not highly recruited kids. They came in here and did some big things and really kind of elevated, I think, uh, what the wide receiver position could be here. But we have we had not been able to recruit at a high level at wide receiver, despite the fact that those guys came in here and caught a lot of footballs. You know, uh, I, don't, I don't know that you don't get Fred Ross without a family connection. Fred comes in here and does a great job for us. But you've got some guys like Stephen Gidrick now and Isaiah Zuber. And Isaiah's not the biggest kid. He plays big. And he's got that unbelievably big catch radius. But guys like Stephen Gidry, are, that, that's that's what you want in this offense. You want those guys that are going to have the size and the length and the athleticism to go up and win that jump ball. Gidry can do that. I think Zuber helps him get the most out of himself. Dedrick Thomas is a guy incredibly productive at times last year. You know, if people forget, uh, Dedrick was the guy that went to the Nike opening. Dedrick was the hero of Big Dog Camp when he came through here. And, you know, he's a guy that... There was some discussion last year that he might move on and might uh, might look to, to transfer or whatever, and that, and that, that didn't happen. And, uh, and thankfully it didn't. But, uh, you know, Dedrick is a guy. He's shown some real, fi- you know, some real flashes. He, he should be the starter uh, and in the slot again this year. I suspect that will be the case. But, uh, you know, he's made some big grabs for State, and there have been some other times where we haven't been able to get him to football. There have been other times that he's running wide open in the secondary and we overthrow him or underthrow him or throw the ball back towards the safety and he's unable to go make a play. Uh, and so that's one of the things that I can I begin to think about with this scheme and with Tommy Stevens coming in. If you bring a guy in that can complete his passes, at, you know, goodness, I mean, we get into 60, 65% or so, you know, uh, it, it's a different day and time at Mississippi State. And I expect Dedrick Thomas to be a real big part of that just because of the fact he's going to have the, the middle of the field to work with. And I think with Zuber and Gidry on the outside, those safeties have to be concerned about getting beat over the top. They have to really be concerned about that. I don't think it's always been the case because I don't, I don't know that Mississippi State's really had the deep threat to really challenge people. Osiris Mitchell showed some real flashes last year, uh, especially on a jump ball. But, again, inconsistency, kind of the issue with him. Uh, Dedrick Thomas last year, 
13 games, 19 catches, just 256 yards, averaged 13.5 yards a catch and a pair of touchdowns. We've got to find a way to get him more involved. We've got to find a way to get him more plugged in. Because if you hear, here are the numbers last year, okay? Osiris Mitchell, your leading receiver with 26 catches and 427 yards, 16.4 yards per catch, four touchdowns. That's your leading receiver, 26 catches. The number two receiver, Colin Hill, and uh, we'll get to him a little bit later, but I expect him to be a lot more productive as a receiver this year too. And then you don't have a receiver over 20 catches. And uh, that was kind of the staple of the Moorhead system at Penn State is they spread the ball around so much uh, that you couldn't really game plan against one guy because, in fact, they had so many receivers that were productive. So expecting this personnel group to make a jump this year. I also think uh, Michael Johnson is a tremendous football coach. And uh, he will get the most out of those guys. Malik Deer hangs around, got his degree, could have moved on as a grad transfer, uh, didn't. He's here. You know, he didn't get a lot of playing time last year, didn't. He's in better shape now. Uh, and so if he comes in there, because he is a competitive guy, he's also a guy, too, that can do a lot of things for you. We know what he can do, uh, you know, on that curl route. He's just one of those kind of guys, as strong as he is, you put the ball on the money, he's going to bring it down. But, you know, he is a guy that's going to have to step up this year because this group, I mean, when you, when you start getting down the list of it here, uh, there's not a lot of production from the wide receiver position. You didn't need, you didn't need a tune-in today to know that, but that's the reality of things. Uh, Keith Mixon played in 10 games last year, caught 10 balls. He's gone. Austin Williams played in 13 games, caught 10 passes, scored two touchdowns in a game. So 10 catches, 137 yards, three touchdowns. Uh we need Austin to be more productive, okay? And and he's shown flashes each of the last two springs, you know. And I think that he's a guy too that's kind of rounding into SEC form. You know, we've all we we never expect him to be a game breaker, but he is the kind of guy too that should be able to go out there and uh, and catch you 30, 40 balls a year, especially in this scheme. I, I look for that to happen this year. I, we've talked about it each of the last two years. Is he's a guy that's just waiting to to come out? I think this year he really breaks loose. I don't know that he challenges for the team leading catches, but I think that he will be a guy to be very productive in this offense. Uh, Dev- Wop, you know, 13 play games last year, mostly on special teams. I, to, I'll be honest with you, if, I, if there's one criticism I have of last year about roster decisions, this is it. We 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 wasted a year of his eligibility. Now you don't never know what's going on behind the scenes. Maybe you had to make those promises to get him to stay, but he plays 13 games. He has two catches for just 42 yards. A long of 25. That that's just not going to work. That's just absolutely not going to work. That that that's got to be fixed. Uh, and 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 Joe will fix it. You know, Joe Joe will get those guys more involved. And I think Michael Johnson uh, will will understand. You know exactly what Joe wants. But that personnel group. You want to know the difference between the Liberty Bowl and a New Year's Six Bowl? It's this group right here. It's as simple as that. I think the quarterback play is going to be very, to be very good. I, I expect it to be very good. But this group right here is so incredibly thin and so has been so underproductive. And, and again, I don't want you to think I'm being negative. I'm just calling it as I see it. This group needs a playmaker to step forward. And Osiris Mitchell at 6'5", 210, uh, he showed last year that he can be a good receiver. But I don't know that he has the physical skill to be a dominant all-SEC type receiver. But if you can begin to get four or five guys producing like Osiris Mitchell, that all of a sudden you begin to realize we're a lot more multiple on offense, a lot more difficult to, to defend. But that's the difference in my mind between a just going to a bowl and going to a great bowl this year will be the maturation of this group. The tight end position is one that, you know, I think, I think everybody feels like, you know what, this, this is an underutilized group right here, and we've got some real weapons here. Uh, you know, Brad Cumbus made some uh, fans this year playing baseball, but, you know, football is his primary sport. They called him the mule for a reason. He and Jaquarius Spivey are absolute freaks of nature, 6'5", 250, 245. Uh, those guys, you know, that's the thing when you look at last year's group. You had some talent, but the, the most talented guys in that room – we're the young guys, and uh, you're able to kind of maintain a red shirt on both of those guys, and so you feel good about their availability this year. I think long-term, Brad Cummins is a football player. I know I know people we love him in baseball. He had a couple big hits in a non-conference, but uh, you know Brad's a guy that's going to be a football player. 
and he won't get the benefit of fall baseball. I think eventually he'll make a, a difficult decision. And but as long as he can pull it off, let him do it. You know, let him go out there and play both sports. But ideally, I think that his I think his future is on the football field. That, that's just my personal opinion. I don't know how he feels about that, but I think that's the reality of it. Uh, for Rod Green, man, this is a guy too. And I said this when he signed with Mississippi State. I don't know that I've ever seen a guy make a bigger jump between his junior and senior years of high school than I saw at Farad Green. Farad was just a just another guy as a junior. But he committed himself to the weight room, and his senior year, he was the best player on the football field more times than not. Tremendous senior year. Incredible. He transformed his body, transformed his attitude. I remember talking to his coach about that and said he really embraced the weight room and became you know, a very good player as a senior. A fan favorite here at Mississippi State. Still needs that big year. Still needs that you know, to really, really break out, and hopefully that can happen this year. It's uh, you know, he he showed some real flashes as a freshman, and uh, has really you know I tell you the, the one thing about him, you know, people talk about him making you know, the pass catches out there. You know, when he's out in the in the flats and he can catch it and get upfield and and uh, make some difficult yard runs at times and and get some some first downs for us. But he is an incredible blocker. I mean, an absolutely incredible blocker. Just, you know, 11 grabs last year for 13 yards, and, that, and that, that's down a little bit. But I think some of that, too, is kind of the byproduct of a change in the offensive system. But uh, certainly need for Rod to have a big year this year. Dante Jones is a guy that, uh, you know, I really feel like if Dan Mullen was still the head football coach here at Mississippi State, Dante Jones would not be here. I just think they were kind of ready to give up on him. And Dante is a guy that was um, – among the top wide receivers in the southeastern uh, region when he came out of Louisville High School. I mean, long, physical, looked to be a flex tight end because you, you didn't know if his foot speed was going to be enough, and then he goes to Jirai Prep and, and really packs on the pounds, and there was even some talk about him playing defensive line. Uh, but Dante comes in, trims down, and, and I, I we need him to have a big year. He had some big moments last year. Uh, made some big plays last year, and I think the potential is still there. Powers Warren's a guy... Uh, you know, really kind of a program guy. I don't know that he has the pass-catching ability of some of the other guys on this depth chart. But he is another guy, too, that just kind of a grunt guy, a guy that does all the little stuff. But when you look at that group, I think you feel really good uh, about your depth at the position. Uh, running back, you know, this is, a, this is a pretty simple conversation here. It's Colin Hill, who, and I'll have an article up later this week, about you know why Colin Hill is on the verge of having a big year in a Jim Moorhead offense. Uh, that'll be up later this week. But you know, Colin's another guy too. It was kind of a surprise deal last year when we learned that he was he was going to be RB one over Aries Williams, and uh, a lot of that too was because of the fact that that he was incredibly explosive. We knew that part of it, but he, you know he didn't have the other nuances of the game that Aris did. You know what Aris Williams was a was a devastating pass protector. I mean, just an absolutely devastating pass protector. Understood the, the protections, understood his role, delivered the boom more times than not. Was a good receiver out of the backfield. And so when Colin comes in, and Colin is a more explosive player, has a, a little more foot speed, that was a bit of a surprise. Well, now Colin's had the full year to kind of figure this thing out. And people don't, you know, I think sometimes we tend to forget that, uh, you know, Colin was beat up much of last year. I mean, he... The second half of the season, you know, he, he was kind of a, uh, you know, kind of a, a lesser version of himself because he really kind of battled through all that. You know, he only played in the 11 games last year, and we, and we played 13 games. You know, he missed a couple of ball games and still ran for 749 yards. You know what's incredible about that? Only 15 yards lost last year. 15. That's it. 15. 734 yards net, 6.3 yards a carry, four touchdowns. We expect all those numbers to go up this year. But the second half of the year, I mean, you could see him early in the year, like against Kansas State, when he got loose in the open field, he was going to finish the run. That wasn't always the case later in the year. But he's healthy again now. Nick Gibson, of course, has kind of bided his time and kind of waited patiently. Uh, Nick could have been a grad transfer, elects to come back. He played nine games last year, uh, 205 yards and a touchdown. You know, the recruiting effort to keep Nick Gibson in Starkville uh, is worthy of mention. It's because of the fact that uh, 
Nick could be at UAB or Memphis or somewhere else right now. But he's here. And Mississippi State needed that depth because there is absolutely nothing behind Colin Hill and Nick Gibson right now. Eris Williams, Dontavian Lee both move on. A lot of experience there. A lot of experience, a lot of production from Eris' side, especially Dontavian Lee was kind of more of a, uh, a glue guy. When you get down beneath those guys, guys, it's Robert Rivers with three games played, 31 yards gained, you know, on five carries. That's it. So that there is nothing depth-wise on this roster at running back. Absolutely nothing. That's why Kareem Walker getting in is a big, big deal. Not just because of the fact that it gives State uh, its full signing class, but, uh, you know, Kareem was signed for a reason. And I know some, there were some fans when all that happened, people were like, well, you know, why do we need this guy? I think now you realize that. You realize, number one, you generally need three to four running backs to navigate through a season. And with Colin Hill being banged up a little bit last year, I mean, you're able to sit him in that Louisiana Tech game because of the fact that you had some depth. I don't you know, what do you do this year? Especially if, like, if you didn't, if Kareem Walker doesn't show up or something, what, what what do you do? You don't have any options. And this is a personnel group that you know we have managed really well over the years. And then Ladamian Webb doesn't get in, and just that one development changes everything. All of a sudden, your depth at a position that is going that is known for injuries is paper thin. That's where we're going to need. Nick Gibson to really step up. You know, and here's the thing too. You know where Kareem Walker earns his scholarship money is in that fourth quarter against Aveline Christian, and in that fourth quarter uh, against UL Lafayette, coming in there and kind of just being a guy to to grind out the clock and then save some wear and tear on Colin Hill. And that's not to be negative about Kareem Walker because Kareem Walker might be your starter in 2020. I know some people say, well, you know, Steve. Nah, that's just the reality of things. He's going to be a senior next year. It's going to be a really, really young group next year with Jaquavius Marks and those guys coming in. you got Lee Witherspoon. I'm sure they're a red shirt this year. But this is a personnel group. That, you know, why we look at Colin Hill and we're excited about him, there's nothing behind him. There's, there's nothing behind him. You know, we're going to have to figure that thing out. And that, that's something going forward that probably needs to be managed a little bit better. I think we can all be honest about that. Let's talk quarterback. You know, my honest opinion right now is Tommy Stevens will be the guy. I, I expect Tommy Stevens to be the guy. I also expect Keaton Thompson to play. I expect Jalen Maiden to play. But I think Keaton Thompson uh, is probably probably the only guy right now that I would say w- that would challenge Tommy Stevens. Tommy Stevens, from an arm strength standpoint, is just farther ahead of these other guys. And, and that's again, that's not to be negative. You know, so I, I would say Keaton Thompson probably, you know, a, a better runner long term than Tommy Stevens. Tommy Stevens can is, can run it pretty well. Can run it well enough to keep you honest. And he's a big physical guy, but Keaton's got a little more wiggle to him. I think he's a guy in the open field that'll make you miss. So everybody's got their strengths, and Keaton Thompson's got a live arm, but he hasn't been asked to do a lot of this stuff until last year. He hadn't been asked to really attack the field vertically like he was last year. And so I think Tommy comes in kind of as a stopgap guy to kind of give us a chance to develop those guys. And then we'll see what happens from there. But I believe Tommy Stevens is going to be your guy. And I think everybody needs to go ahead and prepare for that. I think after what we've heard about him in the Manning Passing Academy, a lot of people are thinking, okay, well, this might work out. But here's the deal. And and just to kind of pump the brakes on all every bit of that. You know, Tommy hadn't played a lot of college snaps. It's the reality of it. You know, and, and I, I say this all the time, and one of the things about our industry at times that kind of kind of perturbs me is there's a lot of people, they look at what a guy does when he's wearing a T-shirt and shorts and say, man, that guy's great. You know, there's no pass rush in 7-on-7. Seven seven. There's no fear of getting injured, throwing against air. What I'm more concerned about is what does a guy do when the band is playing? What does he do under the lights? And so at this point, I don't know that there's enough data to say, you know what, this guy is, is going to be the, 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 the savior of our program. And, that, and that, that's to kind of temper expectations because, you know what, if Tommy Stevens comes out and goes, you know, I don't know, you know, 15 for 25 against UL Lafayette and we win a ball game, you know, 50 points, people are going to pick that completion percentage apart. And if you don't believe me, ask Keaton Thompson. He set an SEC record or, or tied an SEC record last year in his first start, and then all anybody could talk about was the completion percentage. 
forget the production, forget the touchdowns. We want to talk about completion percentage. And listen, all of those numbers are important. But the bottom line is we're trying to win a ball game here. We're trying to win a ball game. And so Tommy Stevens, I, I suspect, will come out and be the guy because I think he brings a different element to this offense. But I also expect Keaton Thompson to play. I think everybody needs to kind of go and prepare for that. There will be packages for Keaton Thompson, maybe opportunities to get them both on the field. Might see the the, uh, the slippery digits package. I'll remind you guys too, when you're in town, Bulldog Burger Company is absolutely the place to go break bread. The uh, there is not a better place in the state of Mississippi to go get a, a great restaurant quality hamburger, perhaps the country. You know what? Let's just go ahead and expand the brand there. Absolutely love Bulldog Burger Company. You will too. Go by, have the spring rolls. I'm, I'm going to tell you, there's a couple things I'm not going to lead you wrong about. Rock and roll music is one of them. Appetizers, number two. Those spring rolls are just a little different. You're not going to have it anywhere else. I encourage you to go by and get that. Go ahead and splurge a little bit. Treat yourself. Get an appetizer. Get the spring rolls. They'll make you better looking. Everybody around you will appreciate that. And also, go find your favorites. You can, If you just want a great straight-ahead restaurant-quality hamburger, order the Bulldog. Just go do that. Won't, won't, you won't go wrong. You could have that every day and still feel good about life. But if you want to walk on the wild side a little bit, I'm going to encourage you to go with the Pimentology at Bacon or perhaps get the mission with the Pico de Gallo on the side. That's the way to go. If you want, if you want to get a hamburger, you can go a lot of places, but you're not going to get one the quality that you're going to get at Bulldog Burger Company. Bulldog Burger Company, the place in Starring where people go to meet. M-E-A-T. So, a little bit left here, and that's offensive line recruiting. And, uh, and we're going to talk about a couple other things and get out of here. And pardon me, offensive line production this year. <clears throat> we have recruited pretty well at, at the, on the offensive line, and that wasn't always the case. Wasn't always the case. And I, I think when you go back and you look at this group and you think, okay, uh, Stuart Reese, he, he, he's going to play on the interior. He'll play guard this year, and he was a guard playing tackle for two years out of necessity. This guy is an NFL player as an offensive guard. He's a serviceable right tackle, and, that, and that's not to be negative on Stu. You know, we've asked we asked him to do a job he didn't sign on to do. Okay, but that's what we had to do. This guy is an absolute Mack truck. We talk about interior running. We talk about lining up and getting behind your pads. This is what Stu Reese brings to you. You're, in my my opinion, I expect Stewart to be a name that people know by the end of this year because he's going to be back where he belongs. He is a big specimen at 6'5", 340. That guy can drive block with the best of them. He's been out there in space on the right end, and sometimes it's been an adventure. Okay, he's given us all these. He gave us all he could give us. But I think this is the right move for him and for his future. Greg Allen's going to go out there and play some at right tackle. We've got Tyree Phillips, of course, go over playing some at left. And, uh, you know, Greg Allen, people forget, we pretty much got Greg by default. There's a lot of talk early on he was going to go to Ole Miss. And then in the end, you know, State just kind of stayed on him. And uh, I remember going and watching Greg Allen play his senior year. We talk about Farad Green making a jump. Greg Island, as a junior, was really stiff. He was long-limbed and stiff. So he had that imposing size, but he just didn't move exceptionally well. I went and watched him play as a senior, and it was like watching a completely different player. And so when he had to go and play, you know, as a freshman, now people are thinking, oh, my goodness, what are we going to do? You know, it's just, you know, we've got, uh, we're on the road at Auburn. We have to go put Greg in a game. And then he ends up starting for three or four weeks, and all of a sudden we start feeling good about life again. We start thinking, you know what? Martinez Rankin was one of the best linemen in the Southeastern Conference, and we were able to put him on the shelf and let him heal a little bit, and some people thought he was done for the year. And Greg kind of handled his own out there. And so now Greg is kind of finding a sense of himself and uh, played really well at times last year. The Kentucky game is the one you look at and say, okay, this was, this was a tough one. But Josh Allen gave a lot of people grief last year. I think that's apparent. But you begin to feel like, okay, we're beginning to figure some things out and get some guys settled where they should be based on their skill set. And I think Greg Allen being out there at right tackle makes a lot of sense. There was a lot of discussion when Tyree Phillips was redshirting here at Mississippi State. And people forget, this is a guy that played very little high school football. He kind of learned to play in junior college. And State goes and gets him. This is a lifelong Mississippi State fan. 
There was a lot of discussion in his redshirt year that he might have been the most athletic lineman on the team. But he just wasn't quite ready yet. Did, didn't Wasn't quite ready to make the jump. Didn't quite completely understand you know, all the protections and the calls and that sort of stuff. It took some time for him to acclimate the life in the Southeastern South Conference. And now he's the guy that's going to be out there kind of shouldering the burden of being the blindside protector at times. But uh, he was the third tackle last year, played some at left, played some at right. And that's where I give Marcus Johnson a lot of credit. He moves those guys around. He's, he's not going to be sidelined by an injury. That's not what Marcus is going to do. He's going to flip those guys around. And, and Hevesy did a lot of some, some of those same things, too. He got those guys ready to go. But when you begin to think about what you've got with Stu going back in the guard, those guys manning the tackles, and then you go bring in a Charles Cross, one of the top offensive tackles in the country, and even the young, even the young guys on this roster, guys have been around a year or two, will tell you Charles Cross is just different. There's just something different about him, uh, and I think that's apparent. You know, and, and one of the things is his his brand of athleticism is pretty rare. This guy's a future NFL player if he stays healthy. And some people say, well, Steve, is he going to be, you know, starting by the end of the year? I you know, I don't know. And to be honest with you, I hope not. I hope they were able to preserve the redshirt year for him, let him play a few games, and then still have him for for another three years. Because I think I think he's an early entrant into the NFL draft because guys who play left tackle at that level generally don't stay for four years. You begin to factor in LeQuinston Sharp coming in. That's a guy that can really challenge one of the guard positions too. I I, I would say he's right there with Stu. But you also you get Darian Parker, Michael Story, those guys competing. But you've got some options on the interior. And then the captain of the offense, Darrell Williams. You know, we signed Darrell Williams to play center, moved him to guard. And then what does he do at guard despite the fact that he, he he's not the biggest guy? People forget that. You know, he's not some big – he's a big wide-body guy, but he's not going to tower over people. I think a lot of people thought, well, you know, he can only play center. We move him to guard, and then he projects from by some people a year ago as the top offensive guard in the draft for 2020. And now we're going to move him to center, and we clearly know what we're doing at center. Darrell Williams is, is, a, is a monster. Darrell Williams is the straw that stirs the drink. And, you know, if you're ever around him, he was really kind of soft-spoken. But you don't understand there's, there's a mechanism within him that switches when the competitive juices start flowing. He is a guy that will physically hurt you. He is exactly what you want in the huddle, in the weight room, in the locker room. That's why, that's why he's voted captain. Not just because of what he does on the field, but because of the entire package. And so this is a guy now that slides into play center after playing guard. He understands the protections. He understands the importance of the communication between the guard and tackle. He appreciates everything that's happened out there because he's played so much football at Mississippi State. And so there were a lot of people that look at our offensive line and saying, well, you know, those guys, you know, they lost Elton Jenkins. They're going to take a step back. I completely disagree. I think, by and large, this group, because, number one, you return just about everybody. You return everybody except for Calhoun and, and Jenkins. And then you're going to kind of play some musical chairs, and then you're going to take the guy that, that was your third tackle, and now all of a sudden you've got Tyree Phillips, which starts under his belt. you got Greg Allen with – couple of years under his belt and you slide Stu into the middle and all of a sudden Darrell Williams is at center I, I'm, I'm a, here's a hot take for you this year's offensive line is going to be better than last year's it's going to be better because I think this, this group number one I don't think you lose much athletically with the fact that you've got to replace Dion and, and Elton and, and those guys were great for us Elton Jenkins is an absolute freak but the guys around these guys are going to be better. The supporting cast is better. I, I don't think there is a big drop-off by any stretch of imagination between Elton and Darrell Williams. I think those guys are very close. Elton probably a little bit ahead. But I think when you look at the totality of that, of that personnel group, I think you can feel better because of the fact this group has played together. You're going to have four guys returning that have played a tremendous amount of football, and then you've got that right guard spot where you know Darian Parker has played some, Michael Story's played some, 
You're long on experience on the offensive line, despite the fact that you lost two seniors last year. But because of the way that you managed that group last year, you can feel really good about where things stand. And so the greatest beneficiaries of that are Colin Hill and your quarterbacks. I think you're going to be better in pass protection. I, I, okay, I, as of right now, based on the returning tackles, I think we can all say Tyree Phillips, probably the best footwork, probably the quickest, the guy that can get out there on the blind side and really handle those speed edge rushers of the Southeastern Conference. I think Tyree Phillips of the returning Mississippi State guys, that's your best guy. And so what do you do? You move him to the left side, and then you move Greg Allen to the right, and Greg's skill set probably a little better suited for that. And then Stu slides in a natural position. Daryl's at his natural position. And then you've got a host of people that are good enough to play right guard for you. It's a great group. I mean, it's enough to really get you excited. And then you begin to think about Colin Hill being able to run behind that group. And, and really, there's no drop-off. And again, as a, as a collective group, you might be better one position over another. But when you take the collective look at that group as a unit, I don't know how you look at that and feel bad about that at all. I, I think you've got a chance to be a really dominant offensive line. And it's one of the things I'll give John Heavis a lot of credit for. John got the most out of his guys. But now you're getting better guys. There's a culture here. There's a culture of nasty on that offensive line. But now you're recruiting a little bit better player. And so as a result, I think that that's only going to help in the long term. Yeah, I, th- I think Marcus Johnson, when we hired him, a lot of people were kind of skeptical. And a lot of it goes back to all the Egg Bowl stuff. You know, hey, you know we got a, you know an Ole Miss guy coaching at State. Is he going to be more beholden to Ole Miss? You know, I, I'm a firm believer that, you know, people are beholden to their family. You know, the people that are paying them a paycheck and the people that are responsible to feed, I think that's where your loyalties lie. But Marcus Johnson comes in. It took a, it took a few games. We, we had a, a change in culture because, you know, Hevis, he's a yeller. Marcus is not. A little different coaching style. And it took a few games for those guys to adjust. I, and I said last year, I didn't know if we if we would miss a little something of that. Because, you know, John, John had those guys playing hard. But Marcus got them playing hard too, but in a different way. Used a different motivational tactic to get to get those guys going. And then Marcus recruits at a much higher level than what we saw under John Heversey. And so you feel good about that group. And so so what's that mean long term? Well, I expect the Mississippi State offense to be much better this year. Now, I'm not going to go out here and say, you know, hey, we're going to go challenge to win the West. I don't know that I expect that. I don't know if that's a fair assessment. I do expect us to be a, a very solid bowl team. As I said last week or earlier this week, I think an 8-4 and four record is probably I – th- I think that's where I would set it. But if Tommy Stevens and these receivers can get on the page early and you've got you've kind of got that ramp up, you know, where you go UL Lafayette, Southern Miss, Kansas State, and then you get into Kentucky, you know, I think by the time that you go play in Auburn and you go on the road and play at Tennessee, at that time you, you ought to be midseason form. But if that offense can get going early, if you can find a way to really stretch the field and get those safeties out of the box and open things up for Colin Hill, who will be running behind a very, very good offensive line, I think you've got the chance to maybe steal the game or two. I think you've got a chance to really do something with this. And I think the defense, when we're going to talk defense Friday, but I think defensively we're not going to take a step back that some people expect. We're not going to be that, that elite number one national defense issue. I don't, I don't think that's a fair expectation. But I think some people expecting us to drop by the top 20 are kidding themselves. Bob Shoup is a great defensive coordinator. He returns a lot of experience in that back seven. They will figure some things out of the tackle. But today's about offense, and I'm, I'm excited about this group. I, I really think Joe Moorhead, with the additions of Tommy Stevens and Isaiah Zuber and the emergence of this offensive line, I think you've got a chance to really have a special year offensively. But right now it's about getting those guys in fall practice, getting those receivers and quarterbacks on the same uh, same page, and, and they're going to be fine. But I, I think once we get into fall practice and have a chance to see some of these scrimmages and see Tommy Stevens throw live – against the defense. I think that's when we'll have a real assessment of where we are as a football program. Folks, I want to remind you, you hadn't done so, go to StarkVillains.com, order yourself 25, 30 shirts. Just go outfit yourself in the wardrobe. The book will be out soon. I'll have a release date soon. We're finalizing some things this week and uh, hope to have some, some news to share with you. Uh, we, you know, we got a, you know, I, the, 
the heavy lifting's done. You know, now there's all these other things that happen that I don't have any control over. So we're waiting for that, but uh, we're looking forward to that being in your being in your hands. But go to StarkVillains.com, order those shirts, get them in the uh, male and female variety. You can get them in, in uh, smaller sizes, and if you have other questions, let us know, and and I'll reach out and get those answers made for you. I'm going to finish this thing up, and we're going to head to campus, and uh, we're going to have chalk talk with Coach Joe Moorhead. When I get back on Friday, we'll talk some about that, and we'll look at our uh, look at our, our defensive unit. And remind you guys too, uh, Team USA play later today. That's the Mississippi State women's basketball team for a gold medal against Australia. Uh, I believe one o'clock Central, and so that that's big. And then you know, Justin Foscue and the Team USA baseball team they dropped the first game against Chinese Taipei. Two to one, the only run in RBI on the infield single from Justin Foscue, and so we'll keep you updated on all that stuff. There's still so much to keep up with, and man, how much fun is that? We don't have to take time off. We can continue to cheer for our people, our players, our coaches, because that they're they're playing at such a high level that Team USA wants them to play internationally. It's incredible. I mean, these are the greater days of Mississippi State fandom. Until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we'll make more friends and enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. This is the story of the one. As head of maintenance at a concert hall, he knows the show must always go on. That's why he works behind the scenes, ensuring every light is working, the HVAC is humming, and his facility shines. With Granger's supplies and solutions for every challenge he faces, plus 24-7 customer support, his venue never misses a beat. Call quickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.